Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Sportlight Podcast. On this week's Sportlight Podcast, we have former BYU great NCAA record holder for triple doubles and NBA basketball player Kyle Collinsworth. He shares some great advice on how to become the best athlete you could be, but he just starts throwing some fire about how to be the best person you could be. It is a wonderful interview. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sportlight Podcast. We're joined here by Kyle Collinsworth, who's who's a great basketball player that's grown up here in Utah Valley and where we filmed this podcast. Went to Brigham Young University there. And Kyle, one of the coolest things that I, I love about your career, I know it's hard for you to say, yeah, the coolest thing about my career is this, but uh, you are one of the best all-around basketball players to ever come through college basketball because you hold a really significant record for triple doubles. Tell us about that, obtaining that record for triple doubles in a career at BYU. Yeah, it was interesting because my sophomore year after I served a two-year mission, um, I had a good year. I, I had like games where I had eight or nine assists. I got close to a triple double. But at the end of that season, I tore my ACL. And that was when I really learned that adversity brings an advantage if you let it. So through this whole process in the offseason after my sophomore year with rehab, I met with the sports psychologist every day. Like I couldn't do basketball the whole offseason, but we just got my brain super, my mind super strong. And we deconstructed me as a basketball player we found out what makes me me and it was rebounding hmm. when i rebound the ball super well i score i get assist i'm active i'm engaged so just through the mind we're able to pinpoint my my true strength and it just turned into a, a triple double machine <laughs> that's awesome so take me through that you're deconstructing your game with a sports psychologist how did you like what process did he take you through for you to realize rebounding is is kind of the catalyst to the rest of my game yeah well i was like man my strength's passive and he's like i agree you're a great passer but we're like is it your passing that makes you go or is it your rebounding that allows you to get the ball in in fast breaks or offensive rebounds that allows you to be a better passer so we were, I was off a little bit, like, you know, just boom. I thought yeah. it was my passing, but looking back, we're, oh, it's my rebounding that really makes me who I am. And I played up with my brother who was three years older than me my whole life. So I learned how to rebound. Got to rebound if you want the ball. <laughs> yeah. that's He might not give you the ball otherwise. Uh, <laughs> no, you, it yourself. you want it? You're playing 21 tipping. You want the ball? You better rebound. Yes, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so the rebounding starts catalysts your game, you know, is the catalyst for it. You get the ball, you get the ball in your hands, you can you can pass it to your teammates and and that 
facilitates your your passing. So that change in mindset, did you become more focused on rebounds then moving forward? Like how did that change the psychology? Well, just like it allowed me to focus on what I can control. Like every game, most people, (coughs) excuse me, they get so worried about like scoring and things they can't control. Like all I would say before every game was like every rebound. I'm getting every rebound. And I'd have these cues where I would like go through how I rebound, just simple little phrases like see ball, give nudge, get ball, and things like that. And I just focus on rebounding. It's all I care about. And I'd make shots and I would make passes and I'd play good defense. But it just sometimes in life we're so focused on things outside of our control. I could play a game and flick my wrist the same way and bend my knees and just miss some shots. Mm-hmm. And then the next game I can make all those shots. So, you know, the law of percentages. So it's sometimes it's out of your control. So I, what I really did was I put the focus on, and it gave me confidence. If I'm focusing on my best strength and I'm given energy and power every play before every game, then all of a sudden I'm operating in like a confident mindset in a belief mindset. So that fueled my thoughts. And from there, I just instinctively played and the rest, you know, took care of the rest. That's awesome. So if you could go back then to high school, Provo Bulldog, Kyle Collinsworth, <laughs> Ed, what did you gather from what you learned from that sports psychologist that took you in? We haven't even said this part of it yet because we got right into it, but played in the NBA, have been playing overseas. Uh, professionally for a number of years now. If you could go back to young Kyle Collinsworth and teach him an important lesson that would help him in high school basketball and in life, what did you learn from that experience during your injury that you would tell him? Just focus on your strengths, you know, and who you are. Believe in who you are and what you're good at. And then just have a willingness to work on the other stuff. Sometimes I think we put so much focus on our weakness that we're operating in kind of a weak mindset. You know, if every day I'm waking up and thinking, man, I need to be better at this, and that's all I think about, then I start to think I'm not much of a person. Yeah. So it's just like my foundation is, hey, I got some great things I do in sports or in life. Yes, I need to work on some stuff, and I will, and I am, but just putting the main energy and focus on all my strengths. Because I'm unique as a basketball player. We're all unique as athletes and people. We need to focus on our unique gifts that we have and the strengths that we have. I think it's when we operate in our strengths that we can actually improve our weaknesses. Yeah, tell me more about that. Because if we're, I don't know, I just think if you're you're having a weak mindset or you're kind of down on yourself with some principles or some habits you need to work on, so, for example, I'm huge into nutrition. Like, I love, for my ACL, I change the way I eat. I love helping people. I think there's real power in food, the way it changes our mind and our body. So, if I want to improve the way I eat, if I put the spotlight on quitting things, like I need to quit sugar, I need to quit processed foods. If you put a list of everything you need to quit, you're going to get discouraged. And you're going to be very frustrated. 
But instead, what if I say, hey, instead of trying to quit all these things, instead, I'm just going to start doing one thing. I'm going to have a, a healthy smoothie every morning. So essentially, we're trying to do the same thing, but now my energy and focus is on doing something. It's on the positive. It's being proactive versus the can't have this, don't do this. The mind doesn't like don't and can't. Right. So yeah. it's just the same. Like I'm operating, I'm trying to do the same thing, but I'm, I'm focusing on the doing, the positive things versus the don't do or I'm not this or I, I need to be better at this. It's like just trying to do the same thing, but doing it with more of a positive and proactive twist. Yeah, and, and if I hear you correctly, what you found <laughs> through many experiences, I'm sure, is that having that mindset, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to eat more good things. I'm going to... I'm going to have a smoothie in the morning. I'm going to do this. Or in basketball, for example, Dustin and I have talked about if I, you know, so I was a shooter in high school, right? There's two approaches. I wasn't the best ball handler, wasn't, uh, you know, whatever it might be. You could probably run down the list of almost everything else I wasn't, right? But I could shoot. Yeah. But I could use my shot to get open. And that's what I started to learn as I... As I was, uh, you know, went on and as a young high school player, I didn't understand that I shot if I was open. But but when I shot a high percentage, if someone could have taken me earlier and said, look, you could use your shot to get a shot, you know, just a ball fake is going to be more of a threat when you're a shooter. And sometimes we just think, OK, I can't handle the ball. So I need to spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours handling the ball, which there's probably some truth to that. You concentrate yeah, on those things. But. If I would have said, but my real strength is shooting, so how can a shooter use their strength to get open, to impact their team, spend more time in the strength than just focusing on the things you might not be gifted at? Yeah, exactly. Yep. That's cool. That's really, really cool. So I'm curious, just as you've gone throughout one of the the thing I'm curious about as I look at your story, and you've hit on it a little bit is you had kind of that devastating, if I remember correctly, it happened in a, did it happen in a tournament game? Yeah, West Coast Conference, in the championship game. Yeah. So you tore your ACL there, and and then you have to fight your way back. And did you end up playing, I think you did, that next season? You were a little bit limited at the first. Did I remember that correctly? Yeah, so when I first got injured, they were like, oh, you'll be out eight to 10 months. You'll be back probably January of the next year. I was like, man, that's things. <clears throat> but I was able to, you know, I found uh, the surgeon that I liked and he told me, hey, if you rehab hard, change your diet, the way you eat, like you can get back in six months. So I was back playing in five and a half months from ACL injury, which is yeah. in 2014. That's crazy. Yeah. I was I I was limited, but only because we just wanted to keep a a plan just to be sure early in the season with some of these preseason games that didn't matter and some teams that you know we were gonna win by thirty, no matter if I played or didn't play. So Right. So tell me one of our core principles is resilience. And we try to help young athletes realize that sports gives them opportunities through injury, through loss, through being cut, all these things. Sports gives them a number of opportunities to develop that muscle of resilience. And I remember you talking about not only that injury, 
but also trying to make an NBA team and getting cut a few times and being devastated by that. What what has sports taught you about resilience? What helps you personally to be resilient? I would just love your thoughts on that topic. I think the key with resilience is redefining failure. I think we think failure is when I don't do well at one thing or I didn't do one thing that I felt. Failure to me is just when people just quit. And not just quit a thing, but just quit overall. Like there's no failure in life. Like we don't get the outcome we want. We either keep going or we shift and put it into something else. But as long as we're moving forward and navigating, like that's how you handle handle resilience. Like how do you have it? Is you redefine failure. Because we're so hard on ourselves that like one thing goes wrong, we lose one game, it's like, oh, I fell. Or we didn't win this year, I fell. But it's like that that stuff doesn't matter. Like I won state in high school. No one cares about my state championships. <laughs> no one cares. No one's they, top of they, you in McDonald's talking about yeah. your state championship. No one's no one's stopping me at the store. Oh, you guys won state! Congrats! Like no one cares whether and I I won a couple and I lost at state, but it doesn't you know it doesn't matter. That doesn't define me as a person. So for me, resilience is being able to redefine failure. That's always helped me. Is just like hey, I got cut from this team, but you know everything that happens to me is the best thing that could happen to me. Why? One, it happened and it's done. Two, like we keep going. Like adversity brings, like I always say, it's such a big advantage if you let it. Like there's so much to be learned from it, so much to be gained. So I'd say the biggest thing is just redefining failure. I mean, failure isn't losing a game or a state championship or not getting the calls you want. Like all that stuff could be for our, you know, better for us. Maybe this college didn't have your wife that you'd really, really want to marry, you know, we just don't know. So sometimes we get so short minded that we can't see the whole, the whole picture. So when you got cut, I know you were, you made the practice squad of, of the Dallas Mavericks or their G team. Is that right? Yeah. So I joined, I signed a partial guarantee. I got, after the drafts with them, went to summer league training camp, got cut, and then just played with their G League team. Okay. The rest of the year. But eventually broke in and played for the Mavericks. <laughs> yeah, the next year. And and I'm I'm curious about just those someone like a young person who's listening to this going, okay, redefine failure. It's not quitting, right? It, it's just continuing to move forward, keep going. What was going on in the mind of Kyle Collinsworth when you were getting cut, put to a G League team, having to fight through with that goal of playing NBA basketball? I'm just curious of the inner workings, what what you are or how you're talking to yourself when you're trying to overcome the difficulty of or disappointment to achieve a goal. What do you tell yourself in your mind? I remember this this quote. Uh, there's different versions of it, but to get different, you have to do different. That's what came to my mind. Hmm. I was like, okay, I I know what what I currently do. I know what it gets. It gets close to the NBA, but not there. 
So I was like, what do I need to do? I need to do different to get different. <laughs> so that was my whole approach. And that's when I told the story about the mountain. I used to hike straight up the face every day. We like made it by the end of it. We made our own little trail. There's no deer trails. It's just straight up. You know, had my backpack with my journal, scriptures, water, and we'd hike up. And every day I compete against myself and try to get up there faster and faster. And I knew, hey, if I can get up that mountain, it's almost a mile straight up the face. If I can get up there in under 20 minutes, I can be an NBA player. So it took me three months to do it, five days a week, but I was able to do it. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But I knew at that moment, like, hey, and it just built my legs and my endurance like nothing else. That's so awesome. I I How was, did you come up with that idea? <laughs> like, that's not your typical. I mean, to be different, you have to do different, you know, to achieve different things, you have to do different things. And your mind was like, climb up this straight mountain for a mile. I'm, a little, even I'm, a, little, I'm a little crazy. Just so you know. <laughs> when it comes to fitness and doing stuff, I'm, yeah, you, you want to be careful when you train with me. You might, you're in for an adventure. But yeah, we used to just hike hike up and one day we just buddy and I hiked up we just boom kept hiking and also we came up to this like little flat area that was beautiful looking out the at, in between the canyon and like man this is like a nice little layout so we just went up again and they're like man let's see how fast we can get up this thing and they were hey let's have a goal like just don't stop it's super steep your legs get so tired it's like let's just sit don't stop you can go as slow as you want. You can't sprint up, but you would, your legs would get too full and you can't do it. So we we're like, hey, let's just go up. Don't stop. Keep going. And then we start out like 35 minutes and also we're at 32. Then we broke in the 20s. And I remember we're at like 26 for a while. Then we broke under 25. And then we just kept going and going. And we did that and some pull-ups after the mountain, some push-ups. 100 push-ups a day, and that's where that started. The T-shirt that I have, I yeah, I have right here, yep. Yeah. So that's where that started, and then working on, on my game after that. So I put in six, six seven-hour days hmm. in the in the off-season, and then showed up, and the rest took care of itself. That's awesome. That's we had Zach Erickson on, and Zach Erickson, he's the current head football coach of Snow College. I grew up with by Zach. Oh yeah, yeah, great, great yeah, guy, my, man. Family, yeah. And we asked him to sit. What what advice would you give to high school kids that want to play at the next level? And his two words were, "Do more." Like everybody's going to practice, everybody's doing what the coach tells them to do. Some are doing it harder than others, but some people think they're working hard just by going to practice and giving their all at practice. And in his experience, what he said is those who actually go to that next level, they do more. They aren't just doing what coach tells them at practice. So they're they're hiking up the face of a mountain, right? There, there were other guys just as talented as you, I'm sure, that never cracked into the NBA because they weren't willing to to do something different to try to oh, do that. and more talented <laughs> yeah that, that's awesome that, the nba is full of talent even g league all over the place there's so much talent yeah so tell me about the 100 push-ups <clears throat> yeah it's a challenge we have an app it's called worth fitness it's a free app 
On the app, you can track push-ups, pull-ups, walking, smoothies, uh, jump rope. There's a whole bunch of different habits you can track. But one of our niches we have is 100 push-ups a day. So from any position, it could be flat, using your kitchen countertop incline if you need to. You have all day to do 100 push-ups. You do five sets of 20, four sets of 25, or 10 sets of 10, whatever you want to do. But the goal is to get uh, 100 push-ups a day in, at least five times a week. That's awesome. And what does that do for people? <laughs> Man, it's been awesome. Just seeing what it does, the biggest thing, it gets you momentum. You start doing 100, and then you're like, here's what people realize. Every good habit or every good action breeds more of the same. That's why people like if you get so focused on like like I said diet like quitting things or trying to do too much too soon you get like it, you know it's not a good association versus a hey I can have a smoothie every morning that smoothie won't just stay a smoothie all of a sudden I'm going to start walking or like you know so every good habit as Napoleon Hill says in his books every good habit brings along a flock of its relatives. So that's why I'm a big believer in one habit at a time in life. And the 100 push-ups is just one of those habits. You can get momentum and start feeling stronger. And yeah. and it's efficient, man. I can do – on average, it would take you, if you're really slow, it would take you less than four minutes a day total to do 100 push-ups in a day. Hmm. You don't need to change your clothes. You don't need a gym. You don't need equipment. No excuses less than four minutes so if you don't have time if you don't have four minutes in your day you got to rethink things so yeah that that's super cool because that's like uh you know you could do it at work absolutely yeah get behind your desk do do whatever you could do and just have the goal be a hundred and and uh and i love that idea that one habit brings a flock of all of its family yep just like there's Nothing goes, a good thing doesn't go. So those commercials where someone sees someone do a kindness and they, they go do it. It's the same thing. Yeah. Like good breeds good, bad breeds bad. It's just the way the, the world works. Well, and it just takes a lot of inertia, a lot of power, <laughs> a lot of effort to get going, right? And I, I found that a lot of people get held back in life. I mean, they'll spend years trying to search after the perfect path to go what's the perfect diet what's the perfect yeah, workout exactly. plan and they're doing all of this research and it's like man you could have started just by doing 100 put do all that research but in the meantime just do 100 push-ups a day and it'll get you going and then that, yeah yes really exactly. cool. i agree and you'll know as you go i always tell people like if you don't know how to exercise just start walking every day movement is momentum and with momentum, man, the sky's the limit. Everyone just needs that momentum. But the hard part is ego, especially with guys. We have the biggest ego that, like, if we're not doing macho workouts like we used to do 20 years ago, then we can't start. Yeah. If I'm not going to start big, I'm not going to start. It's just a start. I And I tell people, I'd rather start small and gradually build and start fast and quickly quit. So it's like, this it's a mindset just being, all right, Hey, I'm not who I was 10 years ago. That's okay. I know who I am now, but I'm going to get back to it. I'm going to build a plan that gradually lets me 
build and get momentum. We all just need momentum. We're all powerful human beings and it's momentum that gets us to be able to see that. Yeah. That's a great concept. That's a great concept. So this, this next question, I feel like we maybe have been talking about it for five or 10 minutes here, but I always love to help young people, their parents and everyone else understand the price to be great at something. And I think some think they're working hard and we've talked about this a little bit, but it's only because their their scope is limited. They don't understand what hard work might look like to someone who has a little bit more vision. So I'm just curious, Kyle, as you've traveled through state championship high school basketball to division one basketball to pro basketball, the NBA basketball, um, what have you learned about the price to be really great at something? Well, the one, there's a compensation. And that's why you have to decide, like, do, do I really love what I'm trying to do or, or am I doing it for others? I think that's super important <laughs> for athletes. Like a lot of people, kids, and I see it, I can see it a mile away. Like when kids are doing something for their parents versus doing it for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I bring it up because the key to get to that next spot is you have to love what you do. It's got to be something you want to do. So my biggest advice to everyone, whether it's sports or not, like get in an area, get in something that you love. Doesn't mean it will be easy. Doesn't mean you won't want to quit. But something that when you're not thinking, you're thinking about it, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like you're always thinking about something so i think that's something big that sometimes i feel like we do things because that's what grandma would want me to do or you know so and so instead of just being hey you know what so that's the biggest difference is pro the ones who really go to that next level they love it they're watching nba games they love basketball they 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 love it they talk about it nonstop. those are the ones that really take it to the next level they love to compete and play basketball. So I think just knowing what you love. If you don't love it, you're not going to get yourself to that next level. And we all have things we love. We just have to discover them and focus on them. I think that's really important. I have a daughter right now choosing majors and things like that. She chose a major that sometimes people will hear. She she is majoring in geology. Mm. And the reason she's majoring in geology is because she took a class that was just fascinating to her. Like it didn't feel like homework. She just absolutely loved doing it. And I think sometimes people get so caught up in what's successful, what are what are people majoring in doing that's going to bring them a lot of compensation, you know, in return. Yeah. What they don't realize is if you don't love that thing, you're probably better off doing something that you absolutely love, that you're passionate enough, that you're willing to work really hard at. When other people stop working, Mm -hmm. you're going to keep going because you love it. Love carries you beyond the threshold of of comfort, right? And, And so if you're willing to work and do something that's really hard when other people are not willing to do that because you love it more than they do, you're actually going to be more successful in a field 
where you love it, where you could keep working when others will quit than in a field that everyone tells you you're going to be successful in. So Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, when you have that love, what that subconscious mind works with love. Yeah. Meaning, <coughs> excuse me, when you love something, you're always thinking about it. When you're sleeping, your mind's figuring out how can you do these things? How can you improve it? So, yeah. you know, it's like you're going down the river with the flow when you do something you love. It's smooth. You have to navigate. Oh, there's a rock. I got to move left. But you do, you're not, you know, going upstream all the time. There's not so much resistance. So, yeah, I agree for sure. That's cool. That's cool. Well, we love to talk about, as we talked about kind of in our pre-show here, that, you know, our podcast is focused on helping people learn life's lessons through sports, but then also our whole program is focused on using your position, your sport light. It's the name of our podcast and our book to that extra attention that comes to you as an athlete. We encourage athletes to use that attention to reach out, to try to lift, try to help, to try to, to, just be of an assistance to other people, to love other people. Kyle, you came to our summit and you shared that after accomplishing everything that you've accomplished, there's one thing that would be more valuable to you than anything you've done in sports. And I, I would just love our podcast audience to hear what do you feel is most important as you get to the end of your career now and, and look back over it? Yeah, I think how I treated people, my kindness along the way was my greatest success. So, you know, <clears throat> as I say, like I had the goal to make it to the NBA. I made it, but at the end of the day, it means nothing if it wasn't accompanied by kindness. You know, what do people think of Kyle Collinsworth when I leave a team or an organization? So I just, my goal is I just want to lift as many people as I can wherever I go. Yeah. What did that look like? I, I'm curious, just some of the ways that you intentionally tried to lift other people. Just conversations, you know, reaching out to people. Hey, how's your family? How's it going? And then I think some of the, like yesterday, I know it was a few days ago, Dirk Nowinski still texting me to this day. Because me and him have a great relationship of like, he doesn't need me to be kind, but because he's Dirk Nowinski, but just me sharing my kindness and bringing good energy to his life, like he appreciated it. Hmm. To the day, I was just a rookie trying to make the NBA. Me and him still have contact. We still talk other guys, but everyone's going through something, whether you have a hundred million dollars in the bank like Dirk Nowinski or you have zero dollars. Like we're all going through stuff. and. The best way to navigate life is to do it with kindness. Because as we add more kindness, more kindness comes back to us. And it just creates a good energy that, that we all need. So I would say my goal and my biggest success in life is how I treated people along the way to success. That's what matters most, my kindness. Yeah, that's awesome. We, we teach often, and I think probably you've heard us teach, that as an athlete, you don't have to be an athlete to do these things that we're talking about, but that sport light makes everything an athlete does more powerful, right? The man, the kind word, the just taking a minute to talk to someone in the hall or in a class or reaching out, shooting a text to congratulate someone 
or tell them you loved what they did at the school play, you know, anything like that. Yeah. It's more powerful coming from an athlete. And I'm just, I'm, so our, our mantra is, you know, is eyes up, do the work, right? Eyes up, look for people who might need you and do the work, do something to just lift them, to help them. Um, we have some athletes who they just, they want to do it, but for whatever reason, they have to overcome this barrier of fear a little bit. They're afraid to reach out to someone, you know, a, a rookie. They would think like in your situation, I'm a rookie. There's Dirk Nowitzki. What good could I do for him? Like, why should I reach out and be kind and loving and just interested in in his life? And they feel self-conscious to the point that they don't even try. Do you have any advice to help someone overcome that self-consciousness or that apprehension? So, yeah, I think there's, there's a fear attached to it. But I think even bigger, there's a... There's a disease of trying to be cool. <laughs> and that's a, <coughs> excuse me, for young men, especially in high school, it's a disease that stops progression because no one wants to be vulnerability, have vulnerability in their life. And also no one wants to step up and be different, you know, because we're always looking like, is this cool? Because if I'm joining a new team, I want to be cool to Dirk Nowitzki, right? And all these guys. So I want to pretend like I'm cool. And what would a cool person do? Instead of, you know what? I'm going to lead with kindness. That's going to be what I'm going to do. And then the rest will take care of itself, you know? So just to all the youth watching this in high school, stop trying to be cool. Cool gets you nowhere. You'll look back in, in 10 years. If you've gone on trying to be cool, you'll look back and be like, man, I've really put myself in a bad spot. So put down cool, bury it, put it in a nice little ditch, bury it, get rid of it, and just lead with kindness. That's what the world needs. And just lift other other people up and and be you. Own it. Hey, let's go help this person. Let's go. Let's go do this. We're going to do it. If you don't want to do it, then okay. But we're going to go do this. So just lead with kindness and forget the cool. Yeah. I'm telling you, cool is... It's ruining Utah Valley. Why do you say that? I, I'm that's awesome, and I love it, and I agree. But I'm wondering what what's behind the statement. Cool is ruining Utah Valley because I think cool gets us to do things that we shouldn't do. Think about adults financially. How many adults get things they shouldn't? Why are they getting those things? Because they want to be cool. They want to impress their neighbors and look, look cool to the world. So cool gets us down a road that causes more stress and anxiety for us. Hmm. So in this Utah Valley is a big, it's a trendy place for sure. And I think we just compete and try to be cool and impress other people, which is very funny to me because people don't care. Yeah. That's not a knock on people. It's like, Chat, you don't care what I'm driving or what I'm doing. You know why? Not because you don't care about me. It's because you got your own stuff to worry about. <laughs> so think about this. Like us as kids and adults base all our decisions on what other people think and trying to be cool when all reality, they don't care. So that's why it's a dangerous path as a kid or adult to focus on being cool. Because no one cares. 
They don't. And that doesn't mean people are bad or they're wrong. It's just, hey, everyone's got, I got my wife, my boy, a baby on the way. I'm trying to, you know, help my family and help people along the way. But we're, I'm not worried about what rims you have on your boat trailer. You know what I mean, man? Like, I don't care. Do you? Uh, but, like, I don't care. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, just the need to be cool to other people really puts people in a bad spot. And it's a disease in this valley. Yeah. <laughs> when you say that, you, you <laughs> said the ridiculousness of it. Like, yeah, like well, anyone. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. <laughs> exactly. I do. And, and it goes from young to old, but it's yeah. kind of this albatross around people's necks. You know, when you're at the mercy of other people's opinion, <laughs> there, I, I was uh, teaching at a high school and there was this girl one time after a class, she was sitting there and she just had her, her head down and she had like tears rolling down her face, right? And I went up to her after and I said, you okay? And she's, she shook her head. No. So I was talking to her, asked her what's going on. She said, you know, I just, I moved here from out of town and I really made an effort to get to know people last year, but I had a harder time making friends. And so I thought I'm going to run for student council and then at least people will know who I am. And she ran and she's like this sweet girl, very outgoing. And she won, you know, she she got on student council. And that day we had had an assembly and uh, she was in my class toward one of the latter periods of the day. And that day we had had an assembly and and she was kind of one of the ones running the microphone. Right. And at lunch, some people just started to totally mock her and some of the things she did at the assembly and just kind of make fun of her. And what she told me, she said, you know, I thought that by making student council that like I would be well known and that people yeah. would like me. And she said, I didn't realize that by making student council, I would also make a ton of enemies. And, and what it, like we talked through that, but as I reflected on that, I thought, you know, we spend so much time and I'm not saying running for student council is a bad thing, yeah, go. keeping goals for, for sure. But, but we, we do a lot of things like that, where if I could do this, if I could get this, if I could wear this, then all of a yeah. sudden people are going to tell me that I have value, right. And they're going to start valuing me. And what we don't realize is that invites a as much criticism in oh, yeah. life and contempt into our life as it does friends. And so as soon as we could abandon that and realize that, you know what, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have my own self value be at the mercy of other people's opinions. I, I need to get it somewhere else. Absolutely. That's a, that's a good story. I like that a lot. Yeah. Cool. There's no limit to cool. You get cool in one thing, and then there's an upgrade. Like you're chasing a <laughs> endless coolness Kool Aid drink or whatever. There's yeah. no end to it. Well, and you've experienced that, right? Because <laughs> you had, I mean, I'm sure Kyle Collinsworth at Provo High School. There's a lot of people that were looking, thinking, "Man, if I could play basketball like Kyle Collinsworth, then I would be cool." Well, now all of a sudden, you go from from Provo to BYU and now there's a lot of kids and throughout the state looking going dang it man that's cool that's what cool is and then you go from there to the NBA 
And now you could be, if you're chasing cool all the time, you're looking at Dirk Nowitzki going, now that's cool. Yeah, exactly. He's looking at LeBron going, no, I'm not cool. And you will never, it's invisible. Like you'll never, it's like catching smoke, right? Man, there's, there's always someone bigger, better, faster, stronger, more money than you. And so, so your, your antidote to that would be instead of focusing on cool, what would you focus on? Kindness. Yeah. Just lead with kindness, man. I, if you're kind, like, there's so many crazy story. And, yeah, I'll tell the story. So, J.J. Barea, he played with the Mavericks, one of my favorites. Loved watching him growing up. Funniest dude. He's like 5'8", super short. Again, me and him were friends. I was kind to him. He was kind to me. We built a relationship based on kindness and helping each other out. We, I was on a my second 10-day contract. So after this 10-day, they were either going to sign me the rest of the year or cut me. So, JJ, we were going on a road trip. The road trip started in Denver. We had like three or four games. JJ Bray comes up to me and he says, Kyle, I hurt my back. He says, I can play, but I'm not going to play. Because if I don't play, then you're the second point guard off the bench playing, you know, 18 to 22 minutes a night. So J.J. Barea exaggerated his back injury so I could play the next four or five games. I played against Denver at Denver. I had one of the best games of my career. And it was that after that game, I got that momentum I needed and I had a great next 10 days and they signed me the rest of the year. But those are examples of kindness. Like I wasn't expecting anything, but like he opened the door for me. Like, Hey, here's four games in these next 10 days. You're going to play backup minutes and you'll be in the rotation. Go do your thing. And I, I crushed it. I balled out and that's just an example. Like I led with kindness and kindness came back to me. Yeah. And that's not why we do it. We don't do it. We just do it. That's what we do. But put down cool and pick up kindness. That's awesome. That's a, what a great story. What a great, great guy. Funny guy. He's the best. Yeah. I love AJ. That, that's really cool. In fact, it, you know, maybe, maybe to close up here, Kyle, I'm just picturing a high school kid with what you've told them. If you walk into a room, you could walk in with, with two things on your mind. Number one. I want everyone in here to think I'm cool. Number that that's one approach to life, right? Whenever you walk into a room, make sure everyone knows I'm cool. Or two, when you walk into a room, a classroom, your family, whatever it might be, how can I be kind? How can I make everyone feel loved? The, the irony of life that we have found is we've trained eyes up, do the work and all these things. Those who walk into rooms and worry about making others think they're cool rarely achieve that goal. Yeah. And those that walk into rooms thinking, man, I want everyone else in here to feel cool. I want, I want them to feel valued. I want them to feel loved and noticed and seen by me. Those who can detach themselves from trying to make everyone else think they're cool and walk into rooms and try to make everyone else feel cool, feel good about themselves, they're the coolest people in the world, right? And yeah. so it, it's just one of the ironies of life. But uh, but I love that 
Kindness, not cool. Focus on kindness, yeah. not being cool. I mean, cool is attached really at the root to insecurity. Like when we're trying to be cool, we're insecure because you're always like not being you and you're doing things that aren't natural. Yeah. <laughs> Versus kindness, like you can be super confident when you lead with kindness. You can walk in a room and everyone's like, whoa, that's that dude right there. Yeah. I don't know what it is. He's just got that that to him. He's got that confidence. And then, you know, he just has that it to him. But cool. Thumbs down for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thanks for everything you shared. Do you mind if we finish? finish off the podcast with kind of a rapid fire, just some interesting questions where you give like 10 second answers. Yep. Awesome. Favorite arena that you ever played in as an NBA basketball player? Uh, Staples Center, LA. Why? Warm weather, good vibe. I'm more of a West Coast guy. Awesome. Coast. Mark Cuban. Thoughts. <laughs> Helpful, funny, and super passionate about what he does. You already answered this one, maybe, but favorite teammates you've ever played with? Dirk Nowitzki, J.J. Barea. Awesome. Favorite memory at BYU? Um, probably my first triple-double. Who was it against? Hawaii, Hawaii University. So why why the first instead of the record breaker? Because the first set the the tone in my mind that hey, this is what I do and I can do a lot more. So open my eyes. Hey, I'm Mister Triple Double. Let's get going. Awesome. Okay, I uh, you may not want to answer this, but you know the debate: greatest basketball player ever. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that debate? You don't even have to choose one. I'm just I'm just interested in your thoughts on that debate. There's just so many factors that go into it. I think Jordan's the greatest competitor and winner. But I don't LeBron James just does everything. LeBron James can lead a team of nobodies to the finals. He may not win, but he'll get you there. So it's just tough. There's different variants you have to go through. So awesome. Did you play any other sports growing up? Uh, baseball. I was a really, really good pitcher. It was my best sport. Really? Yeah. My when dad and my, my great grandpa got drafted by the Reds back in the day. My dad was a big time pitcher, could throw 97. He's going to Oregon State, and he, which was good adversity. He threw out his arm and it made him decided to go on a mission and change his life but wow baseball so, so when, when did you stop playing baseball eighth grade boring for me sorry oh, yeah? even as a pitcher huh yeah huh. awesome okay last one any advice if you were to sum up you've given a lot of advice here but we like to show little clips and maybe this would help with a little clip we could show during our gatherings next year when we get all our athletes together. What advice would you give someone to become the best athlete they could be? Build, build others up as you do it. 
I think you'll you'll get the the people, the things, the answers you need as you're trying to help others along the way. Awesome. And then in that, in regard to eyes up, do the work. You've already summarized it so well, but if you were to say in ten seconds how athletes could do eyes up, do the work a little bit better, what would you say? Um, look for opportunities. Don't just like like want opportunities. There's a difference between, you know, hey, I'll help someone if they're in need versus, hey, I'm going to find someone in need. So don't just look for it. Find it. It's there. I'm telling you, you could find 10 opportunities a day, easy, every day, if you wanted to. So don't just look for it. Find it. Yeah, it's I love it. Yep. I love it. In fact, we talk about that a lot when we say seek to bless, not to impress. That's That's mm-hmm. our our principle that we teach them. And we concentrate a lot on the word seek. You, you know, you would say it fine. Don't, don't just take opportunities, find them, seek after them. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, anything else you <coughs> share with parents or athletes, Kyle, to close the podcast? <clears throat> yeah. I just echoing back to, you know, sometimes sports are great. I love sports. I've learned a lot, but sometimes we make it more than what it is. It's just an opportunity for kids to have fun, to learn to work hard and learn to work together and and build each other up. So let's just keep sports at that. Awesome. It's a great tool. Let's make it one versus awesome. a, a tool that's not as good. Awesome. Well, Kyle, thank you so much. Anything you would say, uh, things people can follow or to get information out about some of these defensive camps and things like that, that you're doing. Yeah, we have a website, defensivelove.com. We do group trainings. Um, we do uh, clinics for teams and team camps. So if you want to get some defensive work in and some real conditioning work in, we get after it. Um, just, just reach out to that and hit us up. Okay. We'll put your, the link in our show notes as well. So anyone listening to that, go and and find out about it but kyle thank you so much not only for coming to our summit and speaking uh, a couple of weeks ago but also for taking the time today with us to be on the sport light podcast you got it guys thanks for having All me right. well thank you everyone for joining the sport light podcast eyes up do the work this has been the sport light podcast from especially for athletes sponsored by coca-cola You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org slash book.